You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, reading verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we understand that that is not talking about the pump. It's not talking about that which beats and pours blood throughout the body. But it's actually talking about your mind, that inner part of you that makes decisions. And I know we like to blame the devil on a lot of stuff. And I know we like to blame people for a lot of stuff. But the scripture says the heart, your own thoughts, your own mind, is deceitful above all. Everybody say all. And as you've heard me say before, what does all exclude? Who does all exclude? So if this verse is accurate, and I believe it is, then that tells me that there is nothing more, has more ability to deceive us than the person we look at in the mirror. Now, I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, literally. I'm gonna I'm gonna violate most most uh, preaching protocol here this morning. Uh, you never read 20 verses for a text. You just don't do it. But I'm gonna do it. I, I just want you to read this story with me, starting with Mark chapter five. Now, this is really tough since we don't have the monitors this morning, right? So that means you're going to have to get old school and pull your Bibles out. I'm going to ask you to hold your Bibles up. I'll just 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 saying. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, he being Jesus... Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles, notice this, broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones verse 6 when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshiped him that's interesting isn't it and he cried out with a loud voice and said what have I to do with thee Jesus Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, again, Jesus, 
come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Verse 11. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter there, enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were about 2,000, assuming that means swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place in the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Verse 15. Then he came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed. And had the legion, watch this now, sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And he got into the boat he who had been, been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Preaching to you today on this subject, whose eyes are you looking through? Whose eyes are you looking through? Now, I realize I broke all of the protocols of public speaking by reading such a large text this morning. However, the story of the demoniac from Gadara, in my opinion, is one of the most amazing stories recorded in the New Testament of the earthly ministry of Jesus. There are so many powerful lessons that can be learned from this amazing event. One of the most important lessons learned and what I feel to preach about this morning is just how vulnerable people are to deception and the need to guard our minds, which most often is governed by the lens we look through. How I see you how I perceive you will determine much on how I treat you. Or 
the amount of time I'm willing to invest in you. When we read this story, we see three very distinct lenses that people are looking through. Every lens causes a different response from the people in the story. So, let's look at this just for a few moments this morning. First of all, I want to look through the eyes of the demoniac. Here is a man who reached the gutter of society of his day. Exactly why or what caused him to get in this condition, we don't know. One thing is for sure, however, he wasn't born that way. And by the time we see him, his life through his lens was hopeless. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how he became possessed by so many demons. When the demons, however, began crying out to Jesus, they referred to themselves as a legion, for we are many. The exact size of a Roman legion in those days varied depending on what commentary you read. What we do know is that when Jesus cast them out of the man, they caused a herd of over 2,000 swine to run over a cliff and drown in the sea. I read one commentary that said a legion was 6,000 soldiers. So we know somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000. No wonder the man had such supernatural strength and was able to free himself from whatever chains they tried to bind him with. Now, the ancient city of Gadara was located just southeast of the Sea of Galilee in Jordan. It was a very hilly and, uh, city with jagged cliffs and rocks. The caves in those hills were used as tombs. The Bible said, in reference to the demoniac, that no man could tame him. And it said that he would often go up into the mountain, crying and cutting himself with sharp stones. If I can just share with you how I see this. And it's been a few years ago, I felt the Lord gave me a little glimpse into possibly what could have taken place. You see, we understand that in that day, if someone wanted to touch God or reach out to God, they would go up into the mountain. It is my personal conviction That this man wasn't just living in the tombs or among the tombs. It was my personal conviction that the crying out that he was doing was in essence he was trying to reach God. 
You'll never make me believe that he wanted to be the way he was, that he wanted to do the things that he did. But there was this uncontrollable, at least in his mind, force that was moving him. And there he was sitting there on a, on a, on a, on a rock. And he, he looked down in great frustration because to him it seemed hopeless. And so one more time, he saw a sharp stone laying in front of him. And I can see him as he picked that stone up. And he just, in anger and frustration, began to cut himself again. And out of that anger with blood draining out of his body, he then made his way down the mountain only to commit another violent act and another crime. But this time, something was different. Watch it. As he was walking down out of the mountain, this one named Jesus was stepping out of the boat and walking on the shore. You talk about divine encounters. You talk about divine timing. And the Bible says, and this is what is so interesting, when he saw Jesus from afar off, I don't know, Brother Anthony, if he ever saw, or Andrew, I'm sorry, your, your brother's Anthony. I, I don't know if he ever saw Jesus personally. I personally think he did. Because the Bible says he recognized him. There was something that drew him like a magnet to Jesus. Now here, think about this. He had a lens change. He saw something different now. Instead of hopelessness, he saw hope. Instead of people wanting to bind him with chains, he saw someone that wanted to help him. He didn't see him up close and personal initially. The Bible says he saw him from afar off. But the fact was he saw him. And here's what I want you to get. The moment his lens changed, something supernaturally happened. What happened to all those demons that had him bound? We know they were still there. But the moment he saw it differently, there was a power that began to work in his life that bound those unclean spirits. Come on, you didn't get that. The enemy does his best to convince us we're trapped, we're stuck. There's nothing we can do about this. This is just the way we are. The person I see in the mirror every day is the person I am. Lie! The person I was in my past is just who I am. Lie! 
Fact is, if the devil is so strong in your life, what are you doing here today? Do you really think he would want you here? I promise you this is the last place in Cincinnati that he would want you to be. You pick the number, 2,000, 6,000, somewhere in between. Let's just pick three. How's that? 3,000 dirty, unclean devils. Couldn't stop one man without the Holy Ghost. When the man had a lens change and saw, just saw Jesus from afar off. But he didn't stand there. We already sang it. Come to the altar. The Bible said he ran to Jesus and worshiped him. Don't tell me there's not a devil in hell that can make you not worship God. He had no hope from a natural perspective. But the God that you and I serve isn't limited to the natural. And when he saw Jesus, everything changed. See, once he saw him and he made up his mind to worship him, Those demons that before, who seemed so powerful and able to control him, were instantly bound because his lens and his vision changed. Think about it. The combined supernatural strength of thousands of unclean spirits could not keep one man from worshiping Jesus once he determined to do so all of the deception that kept him bound could not overpower one right decision I submit to you this morning his greatest problem was not the unclean spirits that possessed him It was not his past failures. It was the lens he was looking through. That was his greatest problem. Can I pause here and say, people just need their lens changed. How many times those of you that are on the wrong side of whatever... How many times have you needed to get a lens adjustment? And oh, how clear things are when it gets adjusted. Oh, God, help us to see Jesus. Help the Gadaras 
of this world when they come in contact with his church or make their way into this holy sanctuary of the Calvary Church to see Jesus in everything we do in our in our music and the way we greet them at the door in our worship in our preaching or teaching in our attitude in our treatment to them God help us that when people see us they don't really see us but they see him and something on the inside of them wants to run and worship him. Come on, can you lift your hands all over the house right now? Can we take a moment and just honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Let's look at another set of eyes for a moment. Let's look at the people of Gadara. For obvious reasons, the people of the town were greatly bothered by the demoniac. This was totally understandable. But here's what concerns me. Even after Jesus set him free, they still wanted him gone as well as Jesus out of their town. The miracle that they witnessed was not enough to want him around. This is amazing to me. They were so deceived and spiritually blinded in their own minds. They even saw Jesus as a threat to their lust and to their hypocrisy. What were they doing raising pigs when pigs were forbidden to the Jews? They saw the delivered man as a constant reminder of how they were caught in their hypocrisy and did not want to live under their own religious governance. Because of the lens they were looking through, Gadara was a constant, the demoniac of Gadara was a constant threat to them even though he had been delivered. Most importantly, They did not want to change their lifestyle. So they wanted Jesus gone also. I pray to God, no one in this sanctuary is looking through that lens. That we won't continually measure others based on our personal desires. And understand that as bad as their past may have been, they had a Jesus encounter. And that changes everything. I want Jesus in my life. And I don't want to look through the lens of my current culture. I don't want to see this world, or see others based on how our current culture, government, society 
is trying to shape what we see and how we see it. Let God be true and every man be a liar. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to make this political, but I'm weary of the voices that are continually trying to tell me how to think, how to act, how I should raise our kids, how we should treat our grandchildren, how we should treat one another, and who is considered clean and unclean based on political positions or opinions. God, deliver us from all of that nonsense and help us to get fresh eyes and look through the eyes and the lens of Jesus Christ. And his word. This is what I want to measure. Everything I do. Everything I say. How I live. What's good. What's right. What's wrong. I want to see people. The way Jesus sees people. Not the way a political party views them. So let's look at the third set of eyes. Let's look at the eyes. Let's look, try to look through the eyes of Jesus as we bring this message to a close today. What did Jesus see? He saw the same matted hair, the same naked, bloodied body, and open wounds that was gashed from cutting himself. He saw the collateral damage caused by a confused, deceived, and demented mind. He saw a man who no doubt lived a life of violence and much pain. But hear me please. Jesus looked beyond the obvious that everyone else saw. And he saw a man that was not born again. He saw a man That was not born that way. That's what I meant to say. He understood the roots of his life. And past, he went past the door that opened up in the man and caused him to become so possessed by demons. He saw a broken and a hurting man crying in the mountains, wanting help, but felt hopeless and had been a victim of Satan's deception. Jesus didn't excuse his sin. He knew, however, he needed deliverance. Watch this now. And simply positioned himself so that the man could get a glimpse of him and have a chance to make a right choice and make a right decision. Please notice Jesus didn't run to the man. He didn't run to the man. He just got close enough so that the man could get a glimpse of him. And hopefully make the right choice. And isn't that what the church is called to do? We can't save people. We can't make people make right choices. 
We can, however, position ourselves to help them make right choices. We can have services designed to make an open door for people to come to this altar and find deliverance or even before the altar is opened to find deliverance in the pews. Do you understand? You can receive the Holy Ghost right now. In just a few moments, we're going to open this altar back up. We're going to give people in this sanctuary or those watching online to have a chance to worship the only one who can save them, deliver them, and heal them. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost right now where you are. You can be baptized this morning in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. And every sin you've ever committed can be washed from your life forever. Come on, that ought to make somebody clap your hands. See, the powers of darkness wants to destroy people. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and ultimately destroy. Do you know what I'm convinced of? Satan would rather use people first in hopes they will hurt and destroy others. And when you don't look through the right lens, it brings hurt. It brings hopelessness. And my experience has taught me that hurting people hurt people. That's why it's so important we look through the right set of eyes. You see, Jesus saw a man who could be changed. If given the right opportunity. Jesus didn't allow the lens of the townspeople. Or the lens of the demoniac to cloud his vision. Of what he knew was possible. What did Jesus know? Jesus knew he had both authority and power over unclean spirits. They were subject to him. Not the other way around. Jesus knew the man of Gadara was going to be eternally damned and he was the only hope if the man would be saved. See, he knew the people of that town could not and would not help him. The only thing they were willing to do was bind him and if possible, kill him. He knew, Jesus knew, the man just needed to see different. Some of the precious people I'm looking at right now across this audience, those of you online, your world isn't nearly as messed up as you think it is. You just need to look through a different lens. You just need to see differently and be willing to see differently. See, Jesus knew that man just needed to see love up close and personal. Jesus knew that if he could just give him an opportunity, 
there was a better than great, greater chance that he would make the right decision, that he would run to Jesus, and Jesus would deliver him. He just needed the opportunity. Again, Jesus knew the townspeople not only couldn't help him, but wouldn't help him. This world and all of its programs are not capable to help the Gadaras of our society. Hear me, please, and I'm bringing this to a close. The Gadaras of this world are in every neighborhood and in every city. Quite frankly, it may be sitting in this room right now. You may be sitting here today in your Sunday morning best. The very fact you're here today is a wonderful thing because God is giving you a chance to see Jesus up close and personal. See, Jesus did not use the man as a trophy on display. He didn't post pictures over Instagram and Twitter, broadcasting his sinful past for the world to see. He simply put clothes on him, gave him a right mind, gave him his mind back, and sent him to his family and his friends to tell them how compassionate that God was with him. If God's will, it's God's will that you and I do not only, that we are not only saved and delivered, but it's God's will that we share to our families and to our friends what Jesus did for us. Would you stand with me right now? Whose eyes are you looking through this morning? You may be as bound as the demoniac. But you're here because you're struggling. And you want to see differently. Please look today. Be willing today. To look through a different lens. Let me make an affirmative statement. You can be delivered today. You can be water baptized in Jesus' name today. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking with other tongues today. You can be healed in your bodies you can be set free in your mind. Today, you can walk out of this room different than when you came. You can walk out of this room looking through a different lens. I remember a time in my life when I spent several days just locked away, never walked out of the house, never, or never walked out of the building, just locked away in a season of prayer and fasting. And I'll never forget on that fifth day, Sister Reed, when I walked out of that building that day, it was like everything was different. It was like 
Everything was clear. My mind was clean. There was something fresh and something new. I want to tell you, you don't have to lock away for five days for that to happen. That can happen this morning, today, to you. Today! But nobody in this building can make that decision for you. You have got to be willing to see differently. Remember, Jesus was the one who said from a blood-stained cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And I close with this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. Let me share with you what God's will is for us today. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with his might through his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, not your pump, but in your hearts, in your mind, in your thoughts, through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, watch this now, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ. This is an amazing statement which passes knowledge. Did you hit that? To know something that's not capable of being known. (laughs) To know what you're not supposed to know. And through the natural, through the natural lens, not possible. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you, that I, might be filled (laughs) with all, there's that all again, all the fullness of God. The word comprehend, it's a powerful word. It means to take eagerly, to seize, to possess, to apprehend, to attain, to perceive. Watch this. To take into the mind... To grasp with the understanding and to apprehend the meaning of, to understand. God says it's not possible, but it's possible. (laughs) It passes knowledge, but it's his will for every one of us. God wants you and I to be filled with the fullness of God. That's God's will for you, for me. And here's the good news. He's able to do it. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. There's that word again. We ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory 
in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.